Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Margavichis, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. For more information on Project MedTech and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit our website at www.projectmedtech.com and follow us on LinkedIn. If you are enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching Funding MedTech on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. Funding MedTech is an interview-style podcast focused on exploring ways to fund MedTech innovation and will be released weekly on Wednesdays. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the law firm of McDonald Hopkins. Building med tech companies the right way based on great technology is not a one-size-fits-all endeavor. McDonald Hopkins provides customized and proactive strategies that align clients' valuable med tech technology with their business goals. This, in turn, builds those clients into successful, thriving companies. With strong experience and depth in the startup, venture capital, intellectual property, and fundraising arenas, McDonald Hopkins can be an important part of your team to help you develop the medtech business that you envision. In this episode, Eric Horsney at Matrix Requirements and Dwayne Mancini discuss his background as an entrepreneur, quality management systems, and the importance of quality as a key pillar for culture, and so much more. podcast. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here, Dwayne. Yeah, so uh Eric, I'm calling in from uh Cleveland, Ohio and um where whereabouts in the world are you? Yeah. Uh today I'm based in Paris. Right on. Yeah, it's always uh fun, you know, uh since since COVID to do these podcast episodes because like uh, uh before you shoot a podcast episode in person but but now uh you know a lot of the ones we do most all of them we do are virtual and but it enables just to to you know be able to talk to people across the world so it's always exciting when uh um we're doing a podcast episode where we're both sitting you know seven time zones apart or whatever it is <laughs> um so eric a uh introduction into uh who you are what you currently do, but also your background um, uh, would be great. Sure. Um, so today I'm the CEO of Metrics Requirements. Um, we're a software platform to help companies with uh, compliance uh, when it comes to building their uh, technical files, as well as um, building everything needed uh, for resisting to an audit. Um, so that's what I do today. And uh, my background is in software development. I'm a data networking engineer. Um, I built, uh, actually co-founded a, a financial platform uh, that we sold uh, 20 years ago and then uh, stayed in the uh, acquire company. And uh, then I took the leadership of a data streaming company, um, also in a regulated environment. Uh, so the, the data streaming for sharing data in real time and uh, that I sold in 2019, I stayed three years for with the acquirer and, uh, and then took over uh, the leadership of uh, Matrix Requirements. 
Um, what else can I say? I've lived in seven states, uh, including uh, uh, three states in, in the US, uh, Mexico and France. Ah, very cool. What uh, states in the US? Uh, California, Connecticut, and New York. Ah, cool. Did you have a favorite? Curious. Um, let's say if I were to go back to establish myself for a long time, I would go back to San Francisco. And even today, I yeah, still love it. Love the uh, outdoors. Um, I like the mix of uh, technology and uh, entrepreneurship. You know, whenever you, you go to a party, people are fascinated about uh, technology. So you, you can have... Uh, uh, get to meet with uh, with people that have you know that share the same passion. So that's uh, that's a great thing. Yeah, and, super... and, and the weather is great. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So um, so your background previously was was all in 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 software, right? And then you yeah. kind of you kind of made the transition. You're still in software, but now you have like a heavy life science tilt to that. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Um, you know, like, I like, an okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, on that. Go yeah, ahead. If, yeah. If, you know, without being, uh, uh, too coarse about it, um, uh, I'd say that, uh, the primary motivation in, in the financial industry is how to make money with money. Um, so you, you do meet with uh, really bright and enthusiastic people, but, um, uh, now in uh, life science, you, you know, I think the, the whole environment is really well educated and we all share the same passion for, uh, improving or saving the life of patients. And, uh, I really love it. It, it really gives a purpose to, um, uh, your day to day job. And, you know, I would be surprised not to, uh, finish my career in life science because I love it. And, and to tell you the truth, um, when I was 12 year old, I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, but then, uh, I, you know, I, so I kind of read, uh, medical encyclopedias, but I realized that I couldn't sustain the, the sight of blood. So I said, well, I have to change career. And then I went into <laughs> engineering. So I'm, I'm so glad yeah. to be, uh, to be back to my first passion, uh, uh, and, and, and I still get a lot of emotion, whatever clients, uh, show me what they do, especially in cardiovascular. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's emotional. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. There's, there's so many people who I've talked to that are in the industry who wanted to be some type of clinician, but the sight of blood or like a open body or a big wound or anything like that. Just like they, they couldn't handle that needles, right? Things like this. Yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, so, so uh, uh, you pronounce the metrics requirements or matrix yeah. requirements? Metrics. Same, both. Oh, okay. same, both. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, got it. So, so um, when you started with the company, how large was it? When was it founded? And then how many people is it now? Where are you located? Do you service clients all over the U.S.? All that in detail, yeah. So uh, when I joined, the company uh, included 14 people, uh, one four. And now we are 40, four zero. 
Wow. Um, yeah. The in terms of uh, countries, our main country is Germany. We're a German company, um, and in terms of activity, our main country is USA. Uh, and then we work all across Europe with you know France, Italy, UK, uh, Spain, and and we have people in uh, UK, in Spain, France, Belgium, um, also in India, uh, and we also work with uh, yeah India, Singapore, New Zealand, Australia. Amazing. Um, and and what year did you start with the company again? Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Okay, yeah. very good. Yeah. It was founded uh, by um, two uh, software developers in medical devices uh, that okay. were working for an AI-based uh, uh, company. And they, they wanted to find a solution to automate as much as possible. As software developers, um, uh, they, they wanted to, to do what they were good at, which is to develop a software to automate things. And this is what they did for their own need and then uh, put it on the market and uh, it immediately uh, took off and um, and and became a, it became a business wow that's impressive um yeah. and, and and do you do life science across the board or do you also do medical device like uh pharma like do you have a specialty no it's medical devices and uh in medical devices our forte is in uh, software as medical device or software in medical device, so you know uh, when software is embedded. So we we call it SXMD, which is either in or I or a uh, medical device. So SXMD. Yeah. So that's that's, uh, that's our forte. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where we yeah. come from, and we develop the platform so that um, it be easy for developers uh, to uh, contribute to um, design items as well as for our AQI people to collect whatever is needed to prepare for uh, technical files and any documentation uh, and management to be able to review and sign any documentation. So um, uh, the, the fact that we've included the software developer persona from the beginning came from our DNA and, uh, and we're, we're trying to uh, encourage that culture of collaboration within firms, um, which happens to be uh, uh, kind of a pain area right now in many companies. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I want to get to um, some questions about scaling your company and, and, and culture and, and things like that. But first, I, you know, because we're talking about you know, the, the quality side of things, let's kind of stay on that. Um, so are you, are, are, I mean, you're, you're, you're keeping companies, um, like they're, you're helping them maintain their quality management system. Essentially you're becoming their quality management system. Right. Um, I, I guess from your perspective, you know, where are the biggest roadblocks that some of these companies run into with their quality management systems? Is it that they haven't started early enough? Is it um, they're not compliant as they go? I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, what do you see? So um, the main uh, concern we see is um, uh, for any of those companies, uh, they have a difficulty reconciling um, the agile culture of developers on the one side 
where whatever uh, whenever a developer uh, signs a line of code, uh, it's a design statement, and it needs to be potentially documented and explained uh, and and tried. Uh, uh, so they, that's that's one side, and on the other side, uh, the uh, RIQA culture um, that expects that anybody in the company uh, should uh, comply with what is requested. Now, what happens is that developers typically can easily work in ten jobs. Uh, you know, if they quit the next day or same day, they would have ten jobs. So if you are pressing them too hard on things by demanding them to just get another job that's going to be more interesting either with a medtech company or not so um what what we see a lot is a lot of misunderstanding of cultures and values between uh, those two groups with um, uh, regulatory people you know really expecting that uh, uh, developers uh follow all the procedures, even if those procedures are totally uh, cumbersome to follow uh, when you are designing your all day long. And uh, that's, a, that's a gap that we are really happy to uh, help them with because uh, yeah. there's a lot of pain there. And uh, uh, the, yeah, it's just two different cultures. Sure. Do, do you support these companies like in terms of um, uh, kind of uploading their current quality management system into yours and, and kind of give them some guidance on, you know, not, not only just how to use it, but best practices? Yeah. So um, what we, since we're uh, in the, the software uh, engineer uh, culture ourselves, uh, what we want to do is to automate as much as possible that kind of transfer so that uh, we actually get to understand the structure of that current system and uh, would write a, a script uh, to automate that transfer and and then uh, we would uh, and then the customer would review uh, the results and it typically goes well uh, or actually very well so we we actually get uh, them to migrate in uh, sometimes one day, sometimes one week, uh, but uh, it's never a quarter. It's uh, yeah, one week, maybe two weeks, but uh, not not more not more than that, even for large implementation, because we we looked at the structure of what uh, was uh, pre-existing. Now, in terms of the direction and and uh, where to pull, uh, where to put all this data, um, it comes. Our solution comes with. Uh, templates uh, that people can use uh, to uh, to actually organize the data according to uh, the requirements, uh, the regulatory requirements, the user requirements. And then uh, we the tool itself will ask uh, all the traceability down to specifications, down to test and test uh, results. And we establish and we force them to establish that traceability design item by design item on the for the technical documentation. Uh, and then by pushing a button, uh, our system would uh, take everything related to uh, specifications, to requirements, to risk, uh, to test and test results, and turn it into uh, a document that either the FDA or a notified body in Europe would, uh, would require. So that's our approach. And we have the same approach for uh, the quality management system itself, uh, where we would expect to see uh, traceability 
from uh, regulation down to procedures, uh, work instructions, risk, uh, and then uh, all the uh, traceability into the trainings, into the competence, uh, the CAPA. Uh, all, the, all this prepares for a web of data that uh, auditors typically love because they can actually uh, follow the links and, uh, and, and always find a, a source uh, because the the system itself tells you when there is a gap. So, so I imagine then you're supporting everything from a early stage startup company through theoretically a, a, a large strategic, correct? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, in our client base, uh, so we have uh, more than two hundred customers right now, and our client base is made of uh, mostly mid sized companies of. Uh, uh, a few hundred people, um, but then we have a, a large number of uh, companies that are startups and uh, uh, a few large groups. And what happens is that um, typically the companies would start with us as a startup. Uh, and here we see a difference for some entrepreneurs have never created a medical device before. So they tend to wait a long time before getting into automating their uh, technical documentation and QMS up to 20 people. But then uh, when they have a complex medical device, which is our specialty, at 20 people, typically they've, uh, they explode and then they understand why they should have used us from the beginning. Uh, or you have the entrepreneur who's on his, you know, third uh, medical device, in which case uh, they want to use the system right away for their techni technical documentation and then slightly later for their QMS. Um, so we, we, uh, what we love to do uh, is, and, and it's a, a value of our company, proximity. Uh, we love to start with a company and then have them see them grow as a, as a scale up and then be acquired by a strategics. Uh, so that the strategics become a customer of ours. Uh, so that today, half of the uh, top 10 uh, medtech uh, global leaders are our customers. Ah, wow, that's impressive. That's really cool. Um, yeah, 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 I love the model. Um, all right, so so transitioning out of the quality piece of this, I, I, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about um, the scaling of the company, right? So you said you went from 14 to a little over 40. Um, also, I think what is an interesting dynamic of this too is that you have team members that are sitting all over the world, right? And so I also find that interesting. So I'm curious on, you know, as you're scaling this company, um, you know, we've talked about this on other podcasts, culture is really important. So I'm curious your take on the culture of the company. Um, but also, did did the fact that you had people sitting in different countries also, uh, like, how did that affect how you built that culture, right? Because um, obviously, like, when you think about that, and you think about an early stage company, my head goes to, okay, well, well, clearly, there, there could be language barriers. So there's communication issues and communication super important in an early stage company. And so just curious on your perspective on this. I don't think I've talked to someone just yet that's had, you know, people at a, at a small 40, like, you know, 40 people is not a ton of people at that yeah. size of a company that had people sitting all over the world. Um, so 
I think, first of all, to me, culture um, can mean many things, but a definition I take is uh, comes from uh, uh, Robitz, uh, which is uh, what you do is who you are. So a culture is what you see people doing. It's not declaration of uh, uh, principles uh, coming from uh, from the top. Um, so the, the culture itself is then uh, driven by uh, behaviors, uh, and those behaviors are themselves uh, driven by in by two things. The first thing are uh, the procedures. Actually, we're lucky to be uh, uh, well educated on <clears throat> well educated on quality, so that we uh, process everything, and and that's actually a strength. Uh, maybe to go back a little bit on quality, that's a strength for uh, small companies. When you've processed everything, everything is documented so that you know the way you do things. doesn't mean you're not going to be able to change them, but at least you know who you are in terms of you know what people are doing. Um, so that's that's one, one thing that I believe really helps uh, scaling. Uh, it is to not start from scratch and, and actually take the time because it's an effort uh, and always uh, be documenting what you're doing and what, how do you expect for people to be, uh, to be working. So that when we onboard somebody, uh, the first thing he, he will do is to spend quite some time in the QMS just going through the training and, and learn what is uh, relevant to his position uh, in order to, uh, to be up and running as soon as possible without having to uh, um, learn it by catching up with people on the other side of the world. So that's one thing that's driving uh, uh, culture. And the other one are our values, uh, which are stable and we actually hire against those values. Uh, We have have a value of transparency, uh, which is uh, uh, to uh, uh, not try and hide anything. So for example, we uh, 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 our, uh, uh, our software itself uh, is what we sell. Uh, we're not trying to sell you consulting or anything like that. For that, we have partners and we're very direct about it with, uh, with our customers. They know, uh, they, yeah, they, they know what they're getting uh, pretty much. So transparency is, is uh, expected from uh, from everybody um, the other one is uh, proximity so proximity with our customers um, so in proximity so we have a we have a very good customer support we, we actually uh, uh, have uh, first line uh, people that are engineers and can really help customers so the this uh, this idea of being close to the customer when listening to them uh, or driving our roadmap with them is is critical and um, and our um, medical device companies we want to help are really at the center of everything we do and then the the third value is uh, ambition with integrity uh, so in terms of ambition uh, uh, we as as i described earlier we really want to help customers uh, adapt their system to their growth because uh, you know DNA doesn't change, but uh, the manifestation of the DNA uh, can uh, can change so that you may have to change procedures. 
uh, as you as you grow and uh, uh, thanks to that we can be ambitious with our customers who also want to be acquired by strategics at some point um, but we do that with integrity so the, the, these are the the values we would evaluate uh, people to get in and also uh, evaluate our decisions yeah um that's it's, that's that's really interesting um maybe one thing i want to mention yeah. that that could be a tip for other companies that are uh, distributed like we are culturally um we we also spend uh, quite some resources on training so um uh, we all of us have just gone through 30 hours of training uh on the latest in uh, regulation so that we have a uh, uh, common knowledge not only of our product but also of our um, uh, of our context and the context of our customers so that's uh, very important to have this uh, shared knowledge uh, so that nobody is really lost whenever we have uh, advanced discussions and the, the second thing we're doing is to meet uh, all together uh, twice a year uh, so we We've met uh, in the Alps. We've met in uh, in the uh, in Las Palmas. We've met in Paris, um, and uh, we're all together for three days, and then uh, we we share and spend some uh, social time together. So that's, uh, that's uh, important for our bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love the piece you said about the training piece because I think that the more you can understand what your customers are facing and what they're doing and the other problems they have the better it is, right? It's a better relationship that you can build with your customers rather than, hey, I know you have this problem with a QMS, let me solve that. But if you can understand the other aspects of the company, uh, as you get more in depth into the conversation, it's only beneficial. So that's great. Um, I, I'm, I'm also curious too, so you weren't a co-founder of the company, correct? There's two co-founders, you kind of came in as CEO. Um, Walk me through that a little bit as well, and and maybe like that transition period, because obviously you're coming in and you have to get a feel for what their culture is, but then how you might need to evolve that culture so that you guys as a company can get to that next step. And so kind of walk me through that um, and, and how that went and the sensitivity to it. Yeah. The... Um, so it's not the first time I do this, so uh, it was not uh, too uncomfortable. I think here you have to uh, listen and observe a lot before uh, deciding what needs to be changed. In the, in the case of metrics, uh, not much needed to be changed because the, there was a, uh, already great alignment between uh, the, the product uh, and the culture and uh, the ambition of the company. Um, adjustments were more in terms of industrializing uh, some stuff uh, that used to be very well done, but at, uh, at, at an artisanal level. So going from a superstar culture to an organized and industrialized culture, which I believe is a transition that happens for any startup going to scale up uh, it, it is um, uh, so you, you, you so the only friction you get is um, because people see that they've been successful doing things a certain way in the past so you're starting to say well um, for us to scale we 
should uh, uh, industrialize it and and uh, create a dedicated team about this or a dedicated uh, tool for this. Um, as long as the the current culture is open, which is the case with metrics, then there is no problem. I think it would have been a problem if uh, there had been resistance to uh, to change, and that was not the case at all here. Um, and uh, uh, the two co-founders were uh, really uh, uh, humble to understand what were the limitations uh, they could have in developing the business, and and uh, they they are. Uh, uh, say genius uh, software developers and they created a, an engine that you know is still uh, uh, is still excellent but they, they also knew that they, they had no experience uh, running um, a, a business and growing a business so uh, I guess that really helps if you don't have that acknowledgement uh, that must be done with a lot of humility on both sides uh, then I don't I don't see how it could work yeah, no, it's 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 super insightful. Um, so, Eric, what's 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 next for uh, Matrix Requirements? Um, like, what's the next a couple years look like? Five years look like? Is it is it still to continue to to grow and get, you know get more clients? Is it expanding into another area? Um, I guess what excites you the most about the future of the company? Mm-hmm. Um... So what I think excites me the most is the fact that the uh, um, SXMD market uh, that we're uh, after and the, the, the community that uh, we're targeting uh, is expanding. Um, I believe it, it's growing at 30% a year versus uh, 5% for uh, typical medical devices. So when it comes to SAMD or SIMD, uh, I think we're in a... In a, in a safe area, um, we're quite happy with the geography. Uh, we already uh, uh, have customers in, and and uh, uh, we see that not everybody is equipped today with a tool that can integrate with the uh, uh, with their existing tools in such a way that it really helps them on uh, uh, inventing faster and safer. So there, there is a, there's still a, a strong story there. Now, in terms of trend within this uh, environment, we, we see uh, two big trends where we will invest on the, on the product front. Uh, one is cyber. Um, there, there are regulations on, uh, on cybers and standards, um, and uh, there are not all of them well known by everybody. Uh, they are definitely not well understood. Uh, they are typically well understood by ops and DevOps, but not necessarily by RQA and software developers. So there is a lot of uh, work to be done in order to help companies uh, build security by design. So it's not only quality by design, it's security by design, which is what you see in the best uh, uh, software companies. So building that in, in the medical device um, uh, industry is, um, is is pretty much a mission, and I believe that with advance uh, in technology, the uh, cyber threat will unfortunately go bigger and bigger. And as uh, medical devices get more and more connected, uh, the impact that those threats could have through the software 
to the people's integrity uh, is going to be uh, more and more uh, uh, apparent. So uh, that's what that's an area where we want to invest cyber. And the other one, you know, everybody talks about it. So uh, uh, it's no surprise AI. Um, on AI, there is uh, there are two two things. So first of all, we we've been working for AI as medical device companies uh, for a long time because we were founded by AI as medical device uh, founders, and uh, so we work uh, for companies in Switzerland, in California, uh, in uh, across the US who come up with. Uh, um, tools to help with rehab, uh, like uh, my maze, uh, or uh, uh, like uh, condition monitoring, uh, like diabetes, uh, for example, uh, Diabolub does that uh, in their platform. And with AI, I see it as a, an opportunity for us to keep uh, helping medical device companies uh, with uh, um, with uh, the the including with the new regulation, you know there is a a new regulation that's about to be voted in Europe, uh, the AI Act. So it, it's like GDPR. Uh, Europe is not leading on many things, uh, but happens to be leading on the regulation topics, which is always weird to consider <laughs> from outside the world. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, China leads on industry, America on on uh, patents, and Europe on regulation. Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, so we're totally into it right now, and uh, we will uh, help more and more companies uh, uh, that are uh, that now need to prove that their AI is um, is not of high risk and. Uh, is uh, properly uh, uh, has proper uh, human oversight uh, as part of our platform, and we're actually working on uh, on, on the templates to, uh, to that would release uh, following the, the the regulation. And we're also watching carefully uh, the uh, uh, evolution in uh, in the US uh, around uh, regulation. What I expect is that some states will be um, more advanced than others and will start earlier, uh, pretty much like what happened with GDPR. Uh, uh, California came with uh, something very similar to GDPR uh, earlier than any other state, and uh, I guess something like this will happen there. Um, so, uh, what? Um, so these are these are the two trends where I see. Uh, some evolution in in uh, in our system, and uh, and there is still this underlying theme of uh, reconciling the agile culture with the uh, RQA culture, with the compliance culture. So we we call it agile compliance. Uh, and here, the more innovation there is, uh, the more gap there's going to be in the culture. Uh, so that um, we we are we're also investing in helping. Uh, to create uh, uh, better collaboration tools for people to better understand themselves as much as possible. Awesome. Uh, Eric, I, I love the insight. Um, I, I, I love the episode. Um, really, really appreciated your, your, your insight into to quality, but then also the scaling of a company 
um, and kind of getting it on the right mission and culture. Um, uh, love the topic about the future because there's so much with, with software and AI and machine learning, all of it that just, you know, we're all coming up to speed at the same time. And so it's just fascinating to kind of figure all that out. Um, Hang on for one minute, we'll chat offline, but uh, I will include a link to uh, Eric's LinkedIn in the show notes, also a link to the website in the show notes. So depending on the platform you're listening into, uh, up or down an inch, you can click right there and, and, and meet directly, um, uh, get more information on matrix requirements or uh, reach out to Eric via LinkedIn. But uh, Eric, thanks so much for doing this and, and hang on for one minute. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. Thanks for listening. If you need anything from us, you can contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. And for more information on Project MedTech, visit our website at www.projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.